This is Food First Michigan on 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone. Thanks for listening. Thought leadership is kind of a new thing. The phrase indicates someone has something to say, something that will add value to the field that they work in and will help move the mountain. I like the term. It seems as if it's a new field, a new level of expertise. I remember sitting in conferences throughout my career and wondering if the person presenting had really accomplished anything, done anything, made things better. And that is, to me, a person who offers thought leadership. They have an idea based on research, experience, education, and probably wisdom gained from their own attempts to make things better. And that's how they accumulate wisdom. Thought leadership born out of experiential wisdom is a value add in my book. And I want to hear that person speak. Today, you have the opportunity to hear not one, but two thought leaders that are helping shape the future of the work that endeavors to create a food-secure nation. Jerry Brisson is here, as always, and today we welcome back Dr. Katie S. Martin, a Ph.D. researcher from Tufts University and the School of Nutrition Science and Policy, the author of Reinventing Food Banks and Pantries, New Tools to End Hunger. Jerry and Katie Martin here to put their heads together and share their insights, thoughts about the future of this work, the work of creating a food secure state. Welcome back, everyone. Two thought leaders are with me today. Jerry Brisson, who's always with me. Jerry, good morning. Good morning. And as promised, folks, Dr. Katie Martin, who is uh, a thought leader on food security. And you will remember Katie has been with us before to talk about her book, Reinventing Food Banks and Pantries, New Tools to End Hunger. But Katie has also made a little bit of a shift in a career path, and we want to talk about that. So let's get an update from Dr. Katie Martin, and welcome back to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's such a pleasure, and um, thanks. Yeah, so Katie, you have you know been involved in this work for, for uh, some time. You were the Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer at FoodShare in Connecticut, you were the executive dec- director for the Food Share Institute for Hunger and Research, and now you are the CEO for More Than Food Consulting. And so talk to us a little bit since the last time we talked about this, this uh, career shift and, and how you're able to impact and influence this, this work at an even higher level. Well, thanks for the opportunity to share. Um, you know, I've spent my career focused on food justice and trying to help folks who are struggling with food insecurity. This has been my passion for about 30 years. Um, and I decided to make the shift um, recently to start my own consulting firm, largely based off of the interest 
from my book. Um, and I was so happy to talk with you all when my book, you know, was shortly after my book came out, which is almost two years ago. And um, there's just been an extraordinary um, outreach of, of people sharing um, what the book has meant to them and the interest in reinventing the way that we think about and handle the issue of food insecurity, nutrition insecurity. And um, I was pretty much doing consulting type work with food banks and food pantries and other community organizations, often because they read my book, they wanted to learn more, they wanted additional technical assistance or training or presentations. So I decided to um, make the pivot and, um, and really try out consulting full time. And I decided on the name of the consulting firm based on so much of my my work over the last decade or so with my firm belief that it takes more than food to end hunger. So therefore more than food consulting. So you know, we of course there's so many things that get interconnected when you start talking about issues related to the safety net, issues related to people's health and well-being, issues related to people not only making the most of the life they have, but trying to make sure people have the best opportunity they have to be successful. So it makes a lot of sense to me that that you have to talk about more than food uh, if you're going to try to deal with these issues from beginning to end, right? And so I think, I mean, when when you imagine the difference you're going to make in this work now and really trying to you know help those people maybe who are raising their hand and saying Katie we we really want to do the best we possibly can to help the people we serve how do you start that conversation where do you go mm-hmm. first mhm well it's um it's interesting one of my um the tagline that we're using, and I say we because I have a small team um, that work with me. Um, it's not just me alone, but we uh, we advance organizational and systems change within the charitable food network, and it's it's about that change. And I know that's what you guys, you Phil, Jerry, you guys are doing with this uh, this podcast is is talking about changing the conversation. It's about a change, and so. Through our consulting work, we help with that change management, and we do that through conducting research and evaluation. We do a lot of capacity building, so help to provide the skills, the training, the resources to help people move along that theory of change, and we inspire action. So a lot of times people are interested in this, and then we help to harness that interest into tangible action steps that they can take within their organization. So it's a lot of meeting people where they are, talking with the organization and understanding you want to make a change. What would that success look like for you? And then let's walk through what are the what are the intermediary steps that you need to take to get to that longer-term goal. So um, it's, it's a lot about uh, change and um, helping people move through that that process. So, can you give us an example, a concrete example of you know you don't have to name who, but when you've walked in the door, identified these areas where going through a change process would help, 
and then saying, <clears throat> so this is this is the change we wanted, and these are the things we did to to make sure the organization was ready for it, could support it. I mean, can do you got an example that that you could give us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a nice example was um, we're working on a big project with Feeding America and about thirty food banks to increase choice within food pantry settings. So um, helping pantries to either uh, reintroduce choice that was waylaid with the pandemic or to introduce choice for the first time so that people can choose their food with dignity. And I had the opportunity to visit a a high school in um, Fort Myers, Florida, um, that is a new food pantry, and they've made the switch to offering choice and they're they're interested and a lot of times what i talk about is i plant a lot of seeds so you know i make some suggestions and and it's a lot of listening to understand what what the format is right now within the pantry what are their goals and then providing some suggestions of you know what we've seen work in other settings and they're going to have to make that change. So it's not for me to dictate for them, but it's an opportunity to share some ideas, some examples from other model pantries that can help them along that that path and helping folks to realize um, what some of those steps might look like for them. Um, another example is um, working with an organization in um, – Orange County, California, that is going through some strategic planning uh, changes, and they want to um, expand to another location. So, again, trying to map out what are their what are their goals. A lot of times, it's like thinking through a logic model of what are their goals, and then what are the resources and activities that are going to help them get to that goal setting, so um, or to achieve those goals. So um, we've engaged with their whole team a few times to look at um, where they are gathering information that they already have on site um, and then talking through what are some of their strategic plans moving forward and how do we help them achieve those. Katie, there's so much to unpack there, and I can't wait to begin to do that with you on the other side of this break because um, when you talked about – systems change and you talked about mm-hmm. change management i think those are the two very key ingredients that we have to have in the future of this work um mm-hmm. it's it's in and not just for food banks and not just for pantries but i think That's systems right. change at the state level in regard to federal programs i was on a call yesterday i'm going to try not to name names and i just could not believe that we were we were we were putting band-aids on very significant problems that that were not going to get fixed and in fact the the advice that we were given was we've only succeeded at 74 percent so let's just keep doing more of what only got us to 74 (laughs) percent so you know, I think this idea of systems change is 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 uh, is is exactly where we need to be. And so, I want to pick this up with you on the other side of the break. This is Dr. Katie Martin. She is a graduate of Tufts University, the School of Nutrition Science and Policy, 
And uh, she is our guest today. She's our friend, our colleague, and we're going to be back with her, Jerry and I, in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Katie Martin is our guest today. She is the CEO of More Than Food Consulting. You can find her at katiesmartin.org. Is that right, Katie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or yeah. it takes morethanfood.org. I like both of those. And um, so it really is good, I think, for our listeners to have both you and Jerry here to talk about kind of where the work's at today. But, you know, leaders are, are, are the ones who see better before and beyond. They're visionaries of a better tomorrow. And I think both of you have that gift. So what do you two, the two of you, what do you see as a better tomorrow for this work, this great mission of creating a food secure nation? I want to I wanna start an answer, and then Katie, I know you're you're nervous right now because I'm going to make you finish it. <laughs> but here's the start of the answer. Here's the start of the answer. How would things be different if the primary metric for success was that people enjoyed, appreciated, and consumed the food they got in any food program, whether that is a school food program? lunch and breakfast at school, whether it was a pantry or whether it was a soup kitchen or whether it was what they had available in the local market in their neighborhood. What if the primary metric that had to be achieved was people liked, appreciated, and consumed the food that was available to them? I want to turn that over to you. I think that's great. And then I'll layer on to that especially if it is either public or private food assistance food, that that would just be, it would, it would be a short stint that, you know, they went, they utilized any one of those programs, they enjoyed the food that was available. And then that program helped them to get back on their feet. So that was just a temporary stint and that they're in a better position to then go and purchase their own food um, and, and be not only nutritionally secure, but financially secure mm. to receive their own food. Yeah, I like both. I like that combined answer a lot. Um, I think, you know, is if there's other metrics, and maybe there should be other metrics too. I mean, there's got to be a, pro, a a price point here and what's what's how can we do this work in the most intelligent, you know, way that is sustainable for as long as we there is a need. But I I I I have to also say I'm really proud of our board of directors here at the Food Bank Council here in Michigan, Katie, because some years ago when we went through a strategic planning process and then we updated that strategic planning process with McKinsey uh, leading mm-hmm. us through that process just last year, we have, we have 
resolutely stuck to our mission, which is to create a food secure state. And and mm-hmm. and we know that it, to to just go with it, you know, more than food. Um, I mean, this is this is a voice where we have to have a, a influence over economic policies, over workplace opportunities, um, over uh, child care. I mean, Michigan is not the most expensive state for child care, but we're the fifth most expensive yeah. state for child care. I mean, all of these things that really don't have anything to do with the distribution of food impacts how much food do we need to distribute, how much you know, how are we going to get it to the people where they're at? How are we going to do this work at a high level of efficiency with the idea that that people need assistance on levels that are more than food? I, I don't think we can forsake food, but I don't I think it is it is truly more than food that that those of us, at least in the state association level, have to be able to influence and have a voice. That's right. Well, we at the last segment, we talked about systems change. And one of the things that I'm hoping to reinforce more in the work we're doing this year is upstream thinking. Is often within the charitable food system, we're very downstream and we're treating the problem. And the systems change work is to is to continuously look more upstream at what are more of the root causes that are creating this problem from happening. So if we're looking at, you know, diabetes in our community, if we're looking at um, other chronic health concerns, we can treat them and treat them, or we can look upstream to see how do we make more healthy, nutritious food the easy and accessible an affordable product for people to get. How do we work with the food donors to um, provide healthier food to the food bank, to the food pantry, to the folks that need it most? That's one example. And, and you know, absolutely, then how do we look at availability of childcare, mental health services, legal aid, all the other wraparound supports that are so tied into a family's ability to be food secure? Yeah, what I like about your descriptions there is that systems change means questions change, right? Mm -hmm. You have to ask different questions if you want systems to change. So what are the right questions to ask, right? And so you're asking the question, can we affect change better if we address the problem here versus addressing it there? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a good question. And we'll and and when you tie that kind of thinking into the bigger picture, there's going to be times when absolutely it is much more effective and certainly cost effective to, for example, prevent someone from getting diabetes than to have them be treated for diabetes for 40 or 50 years. Right. There is absolutely no question. Uh, The the so now we have to say, okay, so the system if we're going to have a system that really works, some of that effort, at least, has to be aimed at fixing the problem where it's the least expensive and most effective to fix. In the meantime, whatever the whatever choices we make when we try to fix problems, we're not going to we're not going to reach everybody. Uh, not everyone's going to be ready to do it. We're still going to be meeting people where they are. 
And so Mm -hmm. you don't give up the whole continuum, right? You've got to keep that whole continuum in front of you. So now you've Uh got the person who, who doesn't manage their diet well enough. They've got hypertension and they've got diabetes. You say, now what is the best outcome for that person? And and there's where these other choices come in. And you say, well, if they have nutritious food that they're going to consume, that will help them now. That will help them manage their struggle now. And for them, the cost benefit of that intervention right now is what they need. So looking at the continuum of people and thinking about system change is is really framing the questions in the right way so that it can lead everybody towards solutions that can work. I'll tell you, our work in healthcare really has pointed out one of the questions we have got to answer is who's going to pay for it. Because Absolutely. we have chased this this issue of treatment versus Uh, You know, addressing the problem earlier, you know, prevention, if you will, prevention versus treatment. And everybody agrees. Uh, There's nobody that disagrees that it's better to do prevention than treatment, but nobody wants to pay for for prevention. They all want to pay for Mm -hmm. treatment. It it's right. it's you know so I know I'm ranting now but but nonetheless <laughs> um, I think that the work that you're doing specifically to get people to ask different questions what is it that we need to do what do we hope to accomplish what do the people we serve hope to accomplish how do we marry all those things together in a strategic way I think that's incredibly exciting well yeah. I've, Katie what I've got to do here is get you to respond to Jerry's rant. On the other side of this break, (laughs) which is something that happens often on this show. So hold that thought. She's Katie Martin. She's our friend and colleague and a thought leader in this great mission of creating food security here in Michigan and across the nation. That's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. The three of us are back with you in just a moment. Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Katie Martin is our guest today. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here with you. And uh, Katie, you wrote a book some years ago, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Reinventing Food Banks and Pantries, New Tools to End Hunger. And everybody, you can find that on Amazon. And uh, I've ordered it. I've ordered it for my board. I've ordered it for my team. And, um, you know, I did check to make sure they read it. Uh, Of course, there's not as many pictures in there as some of my team needs, but that's okay. Um, It's on my desk. I literally have a copy of your book right in my bookshelf right there because I do refer to it. I find it really helpful to give, particularly as we're onboarding team members uh, and want them to, to gain quickly a broader perspective about what we're about. It's it's a it's really well written. It's easy to understand. Uh, we can't say enough good things about the book. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, next month it'll be two years since it came it since it was published. And according to my publisher, I think about ten thousand copies have been sold. So um, it just brings me so much joy. I, I w- really was hopeful that it would make an impact. And I'm hearing every week 
from folks who are sharing their stories of how they're reinventing the way that they're doing their work. And that brings me just a lot of joy. So thank you guys. Yeah. So no, it's, it's great. Uh, we encourage everybody to get a copy of it and, and they can find you at ksmartin.org or at, and you say this one for me, Katie. It takes more than food.org. Takesmorethanfood.org. Now, before the break, Jerry was on a rant and he just walked through the health care door and <laughs> probably the emergency room. But <laughs> Katie, can you can you unpack a little bit about what Jerry's talking about and, and talking about systems change and you know there there I was able to attend the White House conference on hunger and nutrition and health. And this was certainly, food as medicine was certainly a top priority for the administration moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And we all all recognize, thankfully, the connection between hunger and health. And yet, and yet, we still are in a pretty toxic environment where it's, it's very expensive, for people to have health care, to be able to afford healthy food, to afford healthy behaviors. And we often wait until people are very sick and then have expensive treatments. And we just need to look more upstream and have more health insurance companies and other payers involved to make it um, more more feasible to work on prevention. We still just don't fund preventive work as much as we do the standard, you know, treatment work. Um, We're seeing inroads there. There are more opportunities um, through the Biden administration and other initiatives to try to um, loosen some of those purse strings and make it easier um, to have either um, double up dollars for fresh fruits and vegetables, other prescription programs to um, help prescribe food as medicine or other resources. But we have a long way to go. Yeah, I so again, thank you for for bringing attention to a lot of different things here. I mean, I think when we put when we put the person who's getting service in the center of our thinking, um, it, it is one of the key ways that we start changing the questions we ask about systems. And one of the things that you just talked about was, what is people's access to health care? And, and this show isn't about access to health care, but, but it is about the challenges that people face when they're low income and how all these things are interconnected, which is why we have to talk about more than food. Even though we, we say food first, that's the name of our show, we believe that by helping people manage their struggles today, it, it amplifies other solutions in their life. So we absolutely believe in food first, but we're not naive either. You, you, there's a lot of interconnected things here. Healthcare is one of them. But even, you know, and again, I'm going to go back to where you started talking about your work and sitting down organization by organization and actually walking them through a thought process, right? How are you thinking about this now? How would you like to think about it? And then how would the people you serve like to receive this service or like to receive something different or how are they going to be impacted by this decision that you're making and bringing that all together into a plan 
that has outcomes that you can name. Well, that not only helps define things better, but man, is it easier to tell a story if you can connect all those dots. So so back to, and my question for you is, as you think about your work specifically, an organization at a time, how do you take this organizational work and elevate it up to these root causes and other things that are important to you? Well, I'll give you a couple examples. Um, and I think part of the, the beauty of the work that I'm doing, what, what is so fun for me is every organization is different. And so there's hmm. e- each one is unique and they all have their own stories. But I'll share a couple um, just to tie some of these threads together. So we've been fortunate to be working with the Detroit Friendship House, so right in your backyard, um, a great organization that is interested in providing coaching with some of their clients so that they can address some of the root causes of hunger. And one of the great questions that we that I, I love to encourage folks is when someone's coming into a food program is to say, what brings you here today? And that simple question can open the door to a lot of those things that you were just describing, Jerry. Like, you know, what are the other challenges in your life? Like, is it childcare for you? Maybe for someone else's transportation, someone else's utility assistance. What brings you here today? We know you're coming for the food. And, yep, we're going to provide and make sure that that food is first. And then how do we support you with other resources? So through Detroit Friendship House and other pantries around the country, they're getting trained and doing coaching services so that they can better assist individuals in connecting to those other wraparound supports. And then another example is um, I had an opportunity to talk with some of the folks at um, the Tampa Bay Food Bank. And here's a great question that they had recently. Um, Their CEO, um, Thomas Mance, was with some donors and, and corporate partners. And one of the corporate partners said, hey, how can we help you at the food bank? And, you know, as food banks, typically the corporate donors provide financial assistance, right? They provide donations. Maybe they provide food. They provide volunteers. And Thomas spun it around and said, you know, how you can help me is pay your employees a higher wage and make sure that they have benefits. And right, that is the systems change that we're talking about is putting the people we serve at the heart of what we do, asking them, what brings you here today? How do we support you? And then the bigger players, you know, that we often overlook is, you know, if employers are doing right by providing living wages and benefits, people won't need to come to our programs as much. I think Thomas Mance just went up on my hero wall, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. uh, because it is a question that I think that we have traditionally and historically tiptoed around. But it is it is a question that we must engage upon because it is a root cause. Um, I mean, wages have not I mean, there's not a there's plenty of evidence to say that wages have not kept up with the cost of living. I mean, I remember my dad saying to me, you know, son, the, I really kind of pity your generation because my generation, the American dream was to own your home. Your generation, you, the, the dream is to buy your home. Mm-hmm. And it's a difference. Right. 
right? And and so he was able to own his home. Well, I'm still buying mine. <laughs> and, and you know, I mean, just to illustrate that we've had companies come to us to say, and I'm not, I don't, I don't mean just small manufacturers. I mean, some pretty decent sized manufacturers say, could you guys run a, um, a food uh, distribution between second and third shift? Yeah. And I want to say, yep. I don't know. You want to open your books? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, when my dad was in a paper mill, the you know, he worked there 36 years. The CEO made 55 times what he made. Today, that guy makes 550 times. So there's an, there is an engagement here. And I don't, I don't really have any rocks to throw. I just want to have the conversation so that it uplifts everybody. Because I, I thoroughly, thoroughly believe in this work that we're only as strong as the weakest link in the chain. And everybody's got to be able to come along. Let me step aside. I mean, you know what? So complicated, right? One of, one of the things we say often is, you know, the less you know about a problem, the easier it is to solve, right? Uh, and, of course, that's a very tongue-in-cheek thing to say. But even when we talk about uh, uh, something like wages and we say, well, who's asking the question? So there are people who will have a simple answer like the reason why they don't pay people enough is because they're greedy rich people who want to take all the money. And that's that's what people will tell you. Well, okay. I mean, I don't know how true that is. Maybe maybe that's true for some of the people, or maybe there's other challenges, right? Maybe maybe businesses really do pay what they think they can and are frustrated that they don't know how to do more in the context of you know, running a business that can be in place for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Or maybe that business has transferred uh, generations. And that new generation is struggling to figure out how do we pay the taxes that we owe and still run the business, right? So so I, I, my own perspective on all these issues is if we're going to really shoot for systems change, we've got to keep asking the next question. We've got to look deeply at it. We've got we've to appreciate that there's a lot of complexity in why people do what they do from the very wealthiest people – to people who are the very lowest income and meet people where they are in that entire continuum or else we're going to leave the people behind who we need most to help solve the problem. Yeah, I think that's right. And I'll just add in there too. I think in the nonprofit sector, I think sometimes we underestimate our our potential. And I write about that in the book in terms of the scarcity mentality. Mm-hmm. And thinking that we don't have enough and we just have to have a, a shoestring budget and we only can rely on volunteers. One of the trends that I'm seeing that I think is really positive is professionalizing this work more and hiring staff within food pantry settings instead of assuming that folks can do this just on a volunteer basis. Looking for different funders, engaging different funding streams, and, you know, asking those questions of corporate sponsors, not in a negative way of shame on you for having a profit, but rather, how can you partner with us to do this work differently? How can we be champions, you know, within the community together? 
And I think some of that is just stepping out of our own way to dream bigger about the work that we're doing. Well, that's why I wanted you two to be together, because y'all say this much better than I do. And um, I, I appreciate both of y'all's thoughts and times today. Katie Martin, thank you for being our guest again today on Food First Michigan. But more than that, thank you for how you're investing your one handful of life to make a difference in this great mission of creating a food secure community, state and nation. Thank you, Katie. And I'll just continue to encourage your your listeners to be curious and be kind. That's Katie Martin. She is the CEO at More Than Food Consulting. And you can find her on the website at that address, morethanfoodconsulting.org. Jerry and I are back to wrap up this edition of Food First Michigan in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry, quick wrap-up for this show. Katie's awesome. She's doing great work. She's helping us think better. We're lucky to have her. I hope our listeners can appreciate the enormity of the contribution she's making to this work. If you can't, just ask us. She's awesome. Well, Jerry, I agree with her. It takes more than food to create food security, but you can't do it without it either. That's the honest truth. That's why we'll stick with Food First, folks. Food First. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.